Tom Swarbrick on LBC. 5.48, it's Friday, and here with a genuinely draw-dropping American week is LBC's Simon Marks. Tom, for every camel's back, no matter how strong it seems, there's always a straw to break it. And so it was for the Republicans this American week. The Nazis, in my view, were thugs. But they did good things too. We're going to stop dissing the Nazis all the time. The disgraceful outpourings yesterday of Kanye West appearing on the telecast of far-right conspiracy theorist Alex Jones. Or not really appearing, since his face was entirely obscured by a black balaclava and goggles. Now, I have delivered deliberately not wasted your time talking about Mr West's anti-Semitic rantings over the last few weeks. It is apparent that like the American society that keeps handing him a megaphone, he is deeply unwell. But this week, I'm afraid, there's no alternative. I see good things about Hitler also. You can't say out loud that this person ever did anything good, and I'm done with that. Every human being has something of value that they brought to the table especially Hitler. We'll leave him there, stewing in his very public hell. But former President Donald Trump did not make the same decision. Last week, Trump welcomed Kanye West to a private dinner at Mar-a-Lago. And perhaps fatally for Trump's presidential aspirations, West invited Nick Fuentes, an even more outspoken anti-Semite, to tag along with him. Trump insists he didn't recognise Fuentes, nor know anything about his background. But he nonetheless broke bread with him and opened the door for Republicans to drop Trump like a sizzling hot potato. First, let me just say that there is no room in the Republican Party for anti-Semitism or white supremacy. Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader in the Senate, remember that only last week he said he didn't have a dog in the race for the Republican Party's presidential nomination. One dinner at Mar-a-Lago later, suddenly he'd found his spine. Anyone meeting with people advocating that point of view, in my judgment, are highly unlikely to ever be elected president of the United States. Other Republicans speaking out included Senator Bill Cassidy of Louisiana. On Twitter, he accused Trump of encouraging other racist anti-Semites. Senator Susan Collins, Republican of Maine, said the former president should never have had the dinner nor the meeting. Former Republican presidential candidate Senator Mitt Romney of Utah. I think there's, uh, it's been clear that there's no bottom to the degree to which President Trump will uh, degrade uh, himself and, and the nation. And while some some Democrats were happy to pile on. President Biden decided to let his predecessor twist in the wind. What do you think of Donald Trump having dinner with the white nationalists? The Republican Party's existential torture played out in a number of public ways this week. I am 100% running for the RNC chairman against Ronna McDaniel. Mike Lindell, the conspiracy theorist who heads the My Pillow Company, has Donald Trump's endorsement to become the next head of the Republican National Committee. And he broke the news, where else, on Steve Bannon's webcast. One of the big donors said to me, everybody wants you to be head of the RNC, 
some of them just don't know it yet. Other conspiracy theorists were on display in Arizona. Maricopa County is run by Republicans, but it is there that fresh, entirely false claims of election fraud are being made, this time about last month's midterms. When the Board of Supervisors voted to certify the results this week, one conspiracy theorist told its members they had made violent revolution necessary. I came here today to get an up-close and personal look at the seven traitors to the United States Constitution. Okay, again, We're please. sitting at that desk. Interference in an election in the United States of America, Mr. Gates, is a capital offense punishable by the death penalty. It's an odd argument to make in the week that her fellow conspiracy theorist, Stuart Rhodes of the Oath Keepers, was convicted in court of seditious conspiracy for interference in an election in the United States of America. But there's no logic to any of this as the Republican Party melts down in front of our eyes. It was a bit of a topsy-turvy world on the other side of the aisle as well. President Biden, who casts himself as a champion of the trades union movement, engaged in some fancy political footwork essentially to ban a strike by railway workers this week. They want paid sick leave. He sided with Republicans who in turn were siding with the employers. Any strike will now be illegal. But the main event of the president's week was to take a bonhomie bath at the White House. The Marine Corps band playing the Marseillaise as Emmanuel Macron became the only French president ever to make a second state visit to the USA. President Macron and Brigitte, it's an honor, a genuine honor to host you for the first state visit of my administration. And to celebrate the enduring strength and vitality of the great friendship between France and the United States of America. Now, amid all the talk of the beaches of Dunkirk, of France being America's oldest ally, of a state dinner that dispatched 200 lobsters to their fate, this was a visit aimed at resetting a relationship that last year President Biden seemed to have torpedoed. His secret deal with Britain to supply Australia with nuclear-powered submarines instead of the French ones that Macron believed he had sold them brought the relationship to its lowest ebb in decades. And while Rishi Sunak or Olaf Scholz would have given their eye teeth to be the recipient of Biden's invitation, Macron made it clear he wasn't going to roll over for his host. What exactly do you hope to accomplish this week? To resynchronize in a certain way and build new ambitions for the future. In that interview with George Stephanopoulos on ABC, Macron slammed the Biden administration's domestic economic legislation, saying the White House has left France and others in the lurch. He spoke of a crisis facing the world's liberal democracies and cast himself as the key player in dialogue over Ukraine with Russian President Vladimir Putin. Flanking his French guest, Biden yesterday, for the first time indicated he knows he may eventually have to sit down with a Kremlin leader he's called a war criminal. I'm prepared to speak with Mr. Putin if, in fact, there is an interest in him deciding he's looking for a way to end the war. He hasn't done that yet. If that's the case, in consultation with my French and my NATO friends, I'll be happy to sit down with Putin to see what he wants, has in mind. That is quite a concession. 
and politique is not even a French word. While Macron was being fated in Washington, up the road in Massachusetts, the Prince and Princess of Wales were having a bumpy ride at a Boston Celtics game. Were they cheered or booed by the crowd? The answer is a bit of both. At the very moment, Netflix started promoting its upcoming documentary with Harry and Meghan. Why did you want to make this documentary? No one sees what's happening behind closed doors. When the stakes were this high, doesn't it make more sense to hear our story from us? We're going to need more popcorn. At the end of this dizzying week, though, we need to make time for someone sublime. Christine McVie of Fleetwood Mac died this week at the age of 79. Born in the Lake District to a concert violinist father and a mother who was a psychic, she was a star of equal magnitude there and here. So after all the noise and nonsense of the week, Tom, here's a bit of Songbird. And the songbirds keep singing like they know the score. Washington, D.C., Simon Marks, American Week.